Hello, you are listening to episode 5 of Desi Geek Girls. I am Preeti Chibber. And I'm Swapna Krishna, and we're recording on Tuesday, May 9th. Whew. This is, is going to be a heck of an episode. This is a full episode. Like, I'm looking at our agenda, and there is quite the agenda, so I guess we should get right down to it. Yes. Um, before we get into our fun, nerdy discussion for this episode, um, I have a like little announcement. If you follow me on Twitter, you already know this, but I have left Book Riot. Um, I'm no longer the comics editor there, and... That is because, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but the main reason is that I am just so tired. It's hard. Comics is hard right now. Yes. Uh, it's always been hard, but it's especially hard right now. And it's harder being the face of a comic site. It's hard, even harder being a woman that's the face of a comic site. And a woman of color is the face <laughs> of a comic site. Like, I'm tired. I am tired you of comics. You win. <laughs> I know. Like, I'm just tired of it. And I still love comics, like, as a medium. And I'm still covering them other places. But I just, I needed to be done. And it was totally amicable. They wish the best for me. I wish the best for them. So, um, and I'm still, like, technically a contributor there. Although I need a little bit of a break before I start um, writing again. Just so I don't think of it as, you know, like, oh, I'm going into Book Riot Slack and it's going to be work. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, so I just wanted to say a little bit about that because I've gotten a lot of questions on it. So, yes, completely amicable split. No, you know, deep, dark story to tell. Just, you know, I needed to be done with comics. (laughs) That's fair. So, yeah. But you're not done with comics. No, I'm not, because we're about to talk about... We're going to talk about Spider-Man Homecoming, which I'm sure I've said this on the show before, but I am... A huge, huge Spider-Man nerd, and I have been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for Marvel to do a Spider-Man movie. You know, two years ago, never thought it was going to happen uh, because of the because so- Sony owning the rights and Sony just kept pumping out these Spider-Man movies. Um, that was a telling pause. Yes, I was surprised there was no adjectives there. It was very generous of you. <laughs> uh, but. There were two things that happened this weekend at the MTV video, no, the MTV Movie Awards. <laughs> so old. I know. <laughs> like, I don't even know which one it was. Um, they dropped a new clip for the movie where Ned, Peter's friend, oh my who God. is not gank, and that's a whole other conversation, um, finds out that Peter is Spider-Man and it's so perfect. It's a great, it was genuinely just a great, like I do not have the history with Spider-Man that you do. And I can like, I I love, I love that this movie is happening for you because I know (laughs) I love it for you, but like, you know, I'm like, it looks fun and I'm interested, but this clip was so good. It was so good. It was so there, there's this part, you know, it's literally like Tom Holland as Peter crawling through his window, doing the whole thing, like trying to make sure her Aunt May doesn't hear him, all this stuff. And then Ned is sitting on his bed, of course, and sees him. And there's this great moment. You know, one of the main issues with the other Spider-Man films is that they, they had like fully grown adults playing Peter. Yeah. Tom Holland was like 18, 19 years old when he filmed this film. And there's this great moment because he still sounds like a little kid yeah, he where he's like, literally like all in one breath is like oh my god you can't tell my daughter she's never gonna let me and he's like he literally his voice squeaks and i was like this is the most 
ridiculous teenage thing and I love it so much because this is the Peter that I want the like awkward stumbling not good at life Peter and not because he's a nerd and not because of whatever it's because he just he didn't see Ned because he didn't look at his bed when he crawled into his bedroom yeah like it wasn't you know his life isn't parts of it are hard because of his social standing but a lot of it is because he's just a clueless guy sometimes and can I add that I love that the reason that he was there was because they had to build their Death Star model? Yes! They had to the... build their Death Star model model because they are children. And, and it was so perfect. Dorky. And I have to say, too, this, the couple of Zendaya clips we get, I am yes. so excited to see her. I am. So, she is going to be, like, the highlight of the movie for me. I think like, she's going to be excellent. She looks like... That scene in the trailer where uh, they're watching the Captain America, um, like, gym video. Yeah. And, you know, for the most, it's like Peter and, and Ned and, like, banter or whatever. But in the background, Zendaya is sitting and reading of human bondage. Yep. <laughs> like, I can't wait for this movie. It's good to be so good. It's so close, but so far. When and, does it come out? Uh, July 7th. Okay. Um... But also, the other thing that was Spider-Man related was that Tom Holland and Zendaya oh both did uh, the lip sync, which is that, like, TBS show, but they had a special thing for MTV. Zendaya did Bruno Mars, um, which I freaking love Bruno Mars. But Tom Holland did a mashup of Singing in the Rain. Well, he started with Singing in the Rain. And then he did the entire, almost entire, like, Rihanna dance from Umbrella. And it was the, I watched the video, like, 47 times. It's the best thing. It's, like, it's genuinely just the best thing I've ever seen. Like, it is, he, I love, he commits. He committed like, fully. We, we love, I love, I'm not, like, I love earnestness. And I love just, like, committing to, like, you yeah. and I are, we, we, our fandom is very, like, we are very, like, joyous and, and, like, so when you see someone else, especially, like, an actor who's in a superhero movie, like, when you see someone commit like that, it's, it's, it's really great. Yeah, like, great. he didn't play it to a joke. Like, it no, wasn't No, it wasn't funny. a joke. It was athletic and impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I was, he, and he learned all those dance moves. Yep. I mean, he's he, a dancer, so he, he played, um, Billy, Billy Elliot, uh, on the West End, I think. Like, so, like, history. But, I mean, oh my god. I know. And also, like, his legs are nicer than mine. Oh, yes. Like, he is. He has very nice legs. He is leg. 20 years old. Don't, don't say that. Now I feel dirty. <laughs> no, I'm saying it because he's 20. And it, oh god, he was born in 1996. Oh my god, don't say that. Okay, let's, let's move sorry, on from that, that topic. That went because the wrong that's way. depressing me. Um, no, very impressive. It's, I highly recommend finding it because the kid is on point. Yeah, like, like it's just like, it's just genuinely like, just like, I was so impressed with his commitment and his athleticism. Like, it was, yes, it was very, very, it's, it's, and it is fun to watch because we are all Zendaya in that clip. She is literally like, she, I think at one point she like falls to the ground. She does. It's so good. <laughs> and, like, and was that surprise. like, that's LL Cool J, right? That's just like yes. sitting there like cracking up the whole time. It's so good. Everyone's just having such a good time in it. Uh, I forced some friends last night. I was like, we're going to watch this. It was like one in the morning and I was like, you guys don't understand. And after we watched it, they had the same reaction I had, which was like, 
I don't know why, but I am all of a sudden, like, even more excited for Spider-Man. Yeah, no, I think it's because of how he commits, and you need someone, for to sell these movies, you need someone to really commit to the role. Yeah, and you can see that there is no sort of, like, self, like, it wasn't, self-awareness isn't the right thing, but, um... Um, but just, like, he's not embarrassed. Right, he's not thinking about what he looks like, he's just, like, in it, which I really appreciated and I think is so integral to what we're going to need to get from the film that we haven't gotten from other Spider-Man films. Like, my biggest issue with Spider-Man movies is that they can't write Peter Parker. They don't know how to write Peter Parker, and it drives me crazy, because I love Peter Parker. Um, I just, I want a good Peter Parker so badly. Yeah, and I think, I I, I, I don't want to jinx it, but, like, I, I'm more encouraged by him than I have been in the past. Yes, and I think that, you know, there is a discussion to be had in terms of, I know that people are frustrated because it's not Miles. Um, you know, when they first started talking about having Spider-Man in the MCU, I also was kind of like, uh, I'm sort of ready for Miles Morales to be in this um, in this movie. And I think those are all really valid points. But you can and be excited for... Exactly. I think, I think there's, that like, sometimes... Um, what frustrates me about, like, Twitter and online outrage is that there's a loss of nuance. Being excited for Peter doesn't mean that you can't also wish that there had there was yes. a Miles movie. But you can also, like... I, I want could, both. And I'm excited about this movie, too. Like, it looks good. Like, it looks, really it looks fun. fun. It looks really, really fun. Um, and, you know, it's... Yes, you have Peter, and he's a white actor at its center and I had a lot to say when the initial agreement between Sony and Marvel came out and Sony was very clear that they wanted you say Sony like an Indian person no I can't help it I heard (laughs) myself do it and I was like (sighs) sorry sorry for those of you who don't um know you can rewind and the last time Preeti says Sony like like, now I think I just did it so Sony yeah, versus so- Sony. This is really hard to say. Yeah, it's a indie. Okay, anyway, go ahead. Sony. Sony. God, Sony. that feels weird in my mouth. Sony. Uh, oh, that's really, I regret that a lot. Uh, anyways, the last, when when they had their agreement with Marvel, uh, they were very clear in it that the actor who played Spider-Man could be anything, but the actor who played Peter Parker had to be Caucasian. And I was like, this is, bullshit mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is bullshit and I like wrote a bunch like I wrote a post about it and it was like upset I'm still like really grossed out by this idea um but there are a lot of people of color in this movie yeah like yeah. the entire rest of this cast in terms of the kids that surround Peter and are in his life there are all people of color and it it looks like Queens like that gym yeah. scene looked like a Queens high school and I am there for that Right. Um, but Sony, 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 Sony. <laughs> I feel like my mom like making fun of American accents. I know Sony. So <laughs> like, you know, I we I don't know what that partnership, what's gonna happen or whatever. We have this one movie. Um, I don't. I think Marvel own must Marvel probably owns the film rights. Two miles? Because yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Because it's alternate universe, right? It's it, yeah. It was ultimate, and because the agreement with Sony 
happened. I'm going to stumble every time I, I say it. Uh, <laughs> happened prior to Miles being created, I think. I'm pretty sure. Because I feel yeah, like... Yeah, that would really... make sense. Because, yeah, yeah, no, it was absolutely. So long because ago, the, like, friggin' Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies came out in, like, whatever. Yeah. God, so long ago. So that would make sense. That they so it makes sense. rights to the... That, yeah, that's so, main, Sony main, owns yeah. Peter and Marvel owns Miles. But who knows? Yeah. I don't really know how any of those agreements work, but I hope to God that Sony doesn't own Miles. Yeah, same. I don't think they would, because, like, even if you look at their agreements with um, Fox, who owns the X-Men, like, they can use X-Men characters in different contexts. Like, they're yeah. using the twins, who are technically mutants. mutants, but they're calling them inhumans. Right. So I would imagine Ugh. that rights issues. Yeah, it's complicated. It's very complicated. Anyways, check out the clip is great, and the oh my god, the lip sync battle is incredible. The lip sync battle is excellent. Go watch it. It's really fun. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, uh, moving on to something completely different. Here is a, a Bollywood rec for I guess you guys and Swapna. Yes, um, I haven't seen this. So, so Preeti's gonna tell me why I need to watch it. So this one's on Netflix. Um, it came out three or four years ago. Uh, it's called Queen. And I'm bringing it up because it's not necessarily a very traditional Bollywood film. Um, it's not a love story, which is yeah. already a break from traditional. It's about this woman named Rani. Rani in Hindi means queen. Um, played by Gangana Renaud. And Gangana is, now she's a very divisive figure in Bollywood, but we don't have to get into that. But at the time, she was a little bit of, like, you know, an indie darling. Mm -hmm. um, and basically the setup is that she's about to be married, and her husband-to-be leaves her at the altar. Um, very close, and not, like, literally, you know, she's going in or whatever, but very close to when they're about to be married, like, all, like, the day before, I feel like. Uh, he leaves her. He's like, I can't do this. I don't I don't want to get married. And so she decides to go on their honeymoon to France without him. And the whole movie ends up being about her finding herself and, like, coming of age, even though she's an adult, but it's very much like her coming of age and learning how to be independent. That sounds great. It's so good. And Lisa Hayden is in it, and I love Lisa Hayden. Oh, yeah, yeah. I um, like her. She's excellent. You know, it's just, it's a really interesting, fun movie. Uh, I highly, highly recommend watching it. Uh, it doesn't have a ton of music in it, but it does have, like, two or three good songs, I think. Um, it's just really fun. It's just, it's... I am here for Bollywood movies that aren't romances. Like, not that, I don't have a problem with romances. I love them. But, like, every single, I don't think I've ever seen a Bollywood movie that is not a romance. I'm trying to think. Um, there are some, like, horror movies and, you know, things like that. But largely, you know, Bollywood, traditional Bollywood movies have everything. Yeah. Action, drama, fighting, laughing, crying, love hate all of it in one right and then block. i say that but like how many hollywood movies are there that don't have some sort of romance right in them? so right. like it's the same type of thing like there's always a romantic subplot but and sometimes i'm just like you know 
you don't always have to pair off. That doesn't always make no. have to be an and element to make for a good movie. There might be like a hint of the potential of some romance in this movie, but it's mm-hmm. very like secondary to the plot, which is yeah. about her. It's it's totally her story, totally about her like learning to find things that she loves about herself. That sounds really interesting. It's really good. It's called Queen and it is on Netflix and you guys should watch it because it's really good. Okay, should we move on to our next thing? Yes. I'm very excited about this. Okay, so Preeti and I, a little bit of background. Preeti and I decided, um, I don't even know how this came about. We were just kind of talking and we're like, wouldn't it be fun if we did fandom trades? So like the things that I'm into that Preeti is not, you know, she'll watch a few episodes or you know watch a movie or whatever and um we'll discuss it and then like each month or you know maybe not every month but as long as we have room for them in our episodes um we'll switch off who you know who watches and you know who gets to pick the thing Mm -hmm. so this time i got to pick the thing yeah and so we're gonna discuss star trek the next generation which Preeti, you've seen but yeah you you were it's not one of your fandoms no like you know this you know the show I, my mom is sort of a Trekkie, and so I grew up on Star Trek, but I didn't I didn't watch it when I was old enough to know what I was watching. Like, yeah. I loved Data, I loved Jordy, but I loved Jordy because he was on Reading Rainbow. Like, that's how little I was when I was watching The Next Generation. Yeah. and you liked Data because I think he's a char- he was a character yeah. in some ways created to appeal to children. Like, he's supposed I mean, to be child He was a robot. I mean, I know he's an android, but in my head when I was, like, five or whatever. I was like, you're a robot. Um, So the three episodes we're going to be discussing, and we'll do them one at a time, are The Measure of a Man, um, Sins of the Father, and A Fistful of Datas. So we'll start with, and I picked each of these. I picked picked them, um, and Mm -hmm. uh, I picked them, each of them, for a reason, because uh, basically I wanted to give a full spectrum of what Next Gen is. And so first we'll talk about The Measure of a Man, which was season two, episode nine, and it's um, written by Melinda M. Snodgrass and directed by Robert Shearer. And um, this one I picked because um, it's of its moral center. One of my main lessons growing up was, you know, Next Generation, it's a moral show. There's a lot of morality. There's a lot of, like, teaching right from wrong. And I felt, felt like this show, this episode in particular, does... A, does that really well, and B, it was kind of one of the first to do that. Um, this this was kind of the beginning of a sea change for the show in which they fo- it, it, they focused on bigger, more serious, like, more interesting topics. Mm-hmm. And so, what did you think of this episode? I know Data was one of your, like you said, Data was one of your favorites growing up. He was. Um, I really loved this episode, but I, I eat TV like this up, you know, that is all sort of... Like, I love a good courtroom drama. Yeah. And so... And this was. was. Like, it was this good was on multiple drama. levels. Right. Like, it's... it's. I forgot how much I enjoyed watching these characters uh, just talk to each other. And the, like, moral conundrums and the conversations they have, which are so poignant. I was so small when I watched it that I never got any of it you know yeah. I, I if I watch this I must have seen this episode when I was little but I was probably super bored yeah <laughs> like, there's know, no there's no yeah there's, there's no, no action. action 
Um, but as an adult, I really appreciated a lot of it, which is, you know, it's a little dicey when you're comparing like a non, like Data's an android, but he's not a person of color. Right. And so when you're can, trying to compare. Right. They're making, they're, it's an allegory. Yeah. Right. They use it as an allegory. Like there's that moment where they, Whoopi Goldberg who is amazing on this show. Yeah, oh, she, um, I loved her on this show. Oh, she's so good. And she has that conversation with Picard, and she's basically, like, leading him to where he needs to be. Um, and she says this line where they're talking about what the, what the fallout of having hundreds of thousands of versions of data around could be. Um, and she says this line that's whole generations, whole generations of, disposable of disposable people. people and it was yeah. just... It's a really powerful moment and a really powerful line coming from this black woman on a sci-fi show. And it was really cool. But then in the room, she, there's no one there, right? You know, it's, it, it's up to Picard to be the ally, which is very like, you know, there are two ways to look at this. And I thought, I felt like it was so relevant because in this, in the world that we are in right now, there's still things that we as women of color can say, but will not be heard by the people who need to hear them unless it comes from a non-marginalized person. Yes, absolutely. And so that was hitting really hard in this episode of, I recognize this. Yes. Very, very, like, I, that, I, it hit very deeply. Um, the other way is, like, some people would be like, well, she's basically giving the answers, and then he's taking all the credit, but I don't, I didn't read it that way at all. Like, yeah. Like, I read it as, this is reality. I read it, also, I thought it was, you know, I picked this episode based on my childhood, all these episodes based on, like, kind of my childhood nostalgia, but I didn't realize like how relevant this episode really would be to what we're dealing with now. And for example, Picard is an imperfect ally mm-hmm. to Data. Like he is, um, and again, I don't like, and we'll get into this more in Sins of the Father, but I don't like the idea of alien or android representing, like supposed, that's supposed to stand in for a marginalized community. Yeah. Because for multiple reasons, but if we're, if we're looking at it in some respects in that way, like if Picard is supposed to be an ally and data is a marginalized community of one, I guess in his own way, um, as long as he's not standing in for like people of color. Right. Um, but like at the beginning, like I visibly cringed when they were sitting in Picard's ready room. And when Picard came up to data and was like, I have to see this from start. I see Starfleet's point of view here. And I'm like, right. they're, they're trying to dismantle, like, they're, they're they're trying to tell, like, Starfleet doesn't have, like, my emotions, you know, we're saying Starfleet doesn't have a point of view. You know, it's, it's his life, it's his, you know, it's determining whether he's a person or not. And, like, but Data, you know, emotionless Data, like, just, he, I don't remember exactly what he says, but he, you know, knocks it out of the park. Oh, it is, I think he says, he's like, it is precisely because I am not human. Right. And, Ooh. like, Picard does a very good job in this episode, I think, of being an ally. Like, yeah. he's not perfect. He 
doesn't... But he learns, right? Yes, and he listens to people and understand, like, and tries to understand where they're coming from and um, And recognizes that he doesn't have all the answers. By the end, what's really nice is that they don't... Like, Riker has... Riker has the thankless job of proving that Data is not human. Yeah. And he does the job and he does it and it's unsettling and awkward and really uncomfortable to watch. But they don't, what I've appreciated is the story doesn't ever pretend that they're treating them equally. Yeah. Like you are as a viewer, like there is no equal weight given. There is no like. You're not supposed to sympathize. Right. Like, you're not supposed to be convinced by, you know, even though his argument is convincing, which is why it's so uncomfortable, you're not, he's not the good guy here. Like, they're not both good guys. the entire time very much on Data's side and very much frustrated and angry on his behalf. Yeah. Which is, so it feels so good at the end when Picard makes, you know, all those, all those, like, kind of takes what's-his-face to task and being like, tell me what is human point out the differences yeah like explain to me why i am human and data is not it was just really strong i also did love to get away a little bit from the like heaviness of this episode which it was like really heavy i love the like sexy banter oh yeah i love like this woman who comes in uh what's her name yeah who comes in and is like so like oh you're take me to dinner (laughs) yeah she was great um the show did does a lot of disservice with this female characters they get better towards the end but especially the two main uh like cast regulars deanna troy and dr crusher like crusher isn't even in this episode like in the second season if you're not familiar with next gen she's replaced by dr pulaski who's terrible but um um yeah so she's not even like they don't do well but i always love it when they bring in like Guinan or Whoopi Goldberg um as she's a you know she's a recurring guest character mm-hmm. or they bring in these other characters because it's a little less cringeworthy because you know two women and five men as cast regulars is not great nope but it's you know they I did like how they wrote her because they easily they could have turned her into a cartoon yeah and I don't think they did like they almost went there like it bordered on it but it didn't quite like thankfully didn't quite make it there because she was she was sound right she was like i need to hear the arguments i need to treat this neutrally right as trying to create law and picard was the emotional one yeah like, and it's, the, the tables are turned a little bit in that terms juxtaposition of gender was really interesting like, that, yeah, that he was the emotional one instead of her. Especially with Data not having emotion. Like, it's, like, it's, like, it's so interesting to see Picard and Riker as the, like, emotional ones. Right. And as not like the... hyper-emotional. Right. And not the woman or the person on trial who you would think, traditionally, would right. be the emotional ones. Traditionally, like in it. terms of traditional storytelling, not actual. Yes. Not actual life. Um... No, but you know, it was really fun and I love watching Patrick Stewart. And I know. And Bruce oh my god, everything. Bruce Maddox is the ultimate mediocre white man. Yes. Holy crap. I don't care if I can do it, but I mean, I like he just like he's like I don't care if I can do it. I'm just going to dismantle him and I see. Just, oh, I I loved that moment where he's like, "Rights. Rights. I'm tired of hearing about rights." And I was right. like, 
Oh, God. You what were about like, my rights? You were like 90% of our government, and that's right, so exactly. sad. I think I watched this episode the night that the whole healthcare. Oh, God. And, like, I was just like, this is, this is exact, like, this is eerily, like, uh, this is terrible. Ugh. Anyways, I can't. That's going to be a dark hole if we go down the I know. Or, yeah. Um, but I also love this episode opening with the playing poker because you don't get a lot of quiet yeah, moments. In that next... was really great. Yeah, I love, I love those moments. I love, the poker moments in Next Gen, I think, might be my favorite moments of the show. And it's just so nice, like, this is so nice that, like, I remembered very quickly what I loved about, loved so much about Data, and it's, you know, he is an android and he's logical and emotion, you know, he's supposed to, like, emotion is very subtle there but he has this great like childlike curiosity he does that i think kids really responded to and really loved because it was he was learning and they were learning and this idea of like his that moment of like him being like you didn't have anything yeah and he's like i didn't <laughs> and then and 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 then at the end the last lines oh my god i feel like like when um Breaker says, you know, you're a wise man, my friend. And Data says, not yet, but with your help, I am learning. I oh, love that. I know. It was so nice. And Riker with his blue eyes. <sighs> I know. I love, Oof. I love, I love Riker. I do. Yeah. Um, but the, I felt like this was a good episode. Like, it was a very Picard Data heavy um, with some Riker, Which is too. Great. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's, you that you can say that about the entire show. Like, yes. it's very Picard Data heavy. They're the kind of, arguably, the two main characters. But um, they work so well together. Mm-hmm. Like, just their interplay and their, I, I, I love, I love seeing the two of them. They're both incredible actors. Um, Patrick Stewart and Brent Spiner. And, yeah. Oh, Brent Spiner's so good. He's so good. But we're going to talk more about that in the fistful of data yes okay so should we move on to sins of the father yes okay so sins of the father um is season three episode 17 and this teleplay is by um ron moore who you know from like battlestar galactica and like you know he's a giant in the genre at this point and w reed moran and the stories by drew deegan directed by les landau and this episode I picked because um, as a brown kid growing up in a mostly white area, Worf's stories always resonated with me. And we've said, and I have said, um, that I don't like stories where aliens stand in for uh, minorities. But I think um, that's not necessarily the case in Next Gen. I think it's it's much more complicated than that. I don't think they make it that simplistic with the Klingons. And... Um, Worf's, I love, I love over the course of the series, the way they handle Worf um, being too Klingon for the humans, but not Klingon enough for mm-hmm. the Klingons. And he's constantly torn between his two identities. That sounds very familiar. I know. And like, <laughs> as any, any brown kid that grew up in the U.S. can attest to that is something that we all go through, you know, torn between not American enough for... You know, like yeah. the society you live in. Too Indian for America, too American for India. Yeah. So, um, and part of part of, and so the, that's the specifically the reason I picked this episode. I think this is kind of the beginning of Worf's journey, and um, I'm actually very curious if you think that it 
did you did you get that sense with Worf as well, or is it nostalgia talking for me? And so this was my least favorite episode of the three that I watched. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of it is that I was a little distracted by. The brown face that Yeah, happened. the terrible makeup. Yeah. It's, and it happens in the next episode, too, of, like, white actors in, and it doesn't, I it just, it was uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying, like, anything else. It was, for personal viewing, it was uncomfortable to see, because I was like, is that, pretty sure that's a white guy, but... He's awfully ruddy. Mm. Um, so that was distracting while I was Yeah, and there. I will say I 100% agree with you, but it's not something I notice because I've seen right. it so many times. So it's just not something I notice anymore. Mm. But you I are 100% know. right. And you and I talked about this like off the podcast a little bit, and yeah. I was saying they get better about it in Deep Space Nine. Um, they get a lot better about, um, like, you know, Klingons can have skin tones. They don't all have to, you know, they're not all Be one like color. color. So um, um, I did like getting Worf backstory. I, as a person who was coming in it, you know, not super familiar. I, it was a little convoluted and a little, not convoluted. Sorry, that's not the right word. It was it was a little overwhelming mm-hmm. in terms of story. Like there was a lot there's to a, remember. This is, yeah, there's a lot of story in this episode. Yeah, and a lot just a lot of rules to learn yeah you know this is um um, so just background on the series i think there's two or three episodes before this that feature the klingons um i know there's heart of glory and there's the Riker exchange episode that i can't remember now but generally speaking like i think this was the big introduction to klingon culture for the series um, there weren't a ton that dealt with like purely Klingon culture, so yeah, this is this is a this in a lot of ways this episode is an information dump. Yes, so it was a good middle episode because it wasn't like I didn't end on it. I yeah. do really like Worf and yeah. the actor whose name I'm forgetting, Michael Dorn. Michael Dorn, who play he's so good and he's so good every time and is like under even. Even under all that makeup, like, you can see every emotion as it, like, flits across his face, which is the humanizing aspect, right? That's yeah. the, like, human side battling. And he, you can see the, like, anger, too, that that's a thing that's happening. Yeah. So that was great. And it's Star Trek, so I love that it doesn't take the expected route either at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, like, a lesser show, I think, would have tidied it up really nicely and neatly. Yeah. And they didn't do that. No. And I appreciate it. I do love um, just the way that I love, I love the way it ends. And I love the idea of a, of a society that is so concerned with honor, having this corruption at its core. Yes. Like, I love that. And that's a thread that 
they explore through Deep Space or through Next Gen and Deep Space Nine, like um, because Worf does cross over to DS Nine in. Oh, starting I didn't in know season that. Four. That's cool. oh yeah, starting in season four. Um, and we're gonna do a DS Nine fandom trade at, um, in a couple of months because um, I don't think you've seen any Deep Space Nine. I've maybe seen one episode. Yeah, so um, so we're gonna do one. So I may I'm, I may have to do a like a Worf episode there too. But yeah, no, he. That he and that's arguably like the show. The show start is very good. Uh, DS Nine is very great. Like it's absolutely great, and it's a Ron Moore learning to be Ron Moore. But uh, it, it gets so much better when they add him. Like it kind of rounds out the cast. But okay. anyway, back to back to this episode. Um. So, <laughs> um, I don't know that there's a ton to discuss. Just because. Right. It's, um, it is, there is a lot of Klingon stuff. Yeah. Um, and it does, this is kind of the first of a two-parter, um, but the second half doesn't come until, I think, the next season in an episode called Reunion. Yeah, because it wasn't, yeah, I was like, when they all turned their backs on him, I was like, okay. Yeah, so he's dis, there's discommendation, and then they kind of pick up some of the threads of Duras in, um... Um, an episode, an, an episode, a season later called Reunion, um, and it's, it's, it's a really great episode. So I, I'm not going to tell you to watch it because if you this <laughs> what you, if you weren't a huge fan of this one, you probably you know. But it does kind of not necessarily wrap it up, but further the story of what's going on with the Klingon Empire. Okay, um, but I do, I did like this is another this is an. Uh, this is another Picard heavy episode as well. Yes. And I, I mean, he's he so good. Patrick he Stewart is. is just so fun to watch. He is. And his voice. Oh, it's a and good voice. He's another that I admire for devoting himself to, like, as a, as a stage actor at this point, a very serious actor. Like, yeah. He, he pours himself into this role, and I love seeing that commitment. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't do anything but by halves. Yeah. And it's always really fun to watch, and he's just a joy to see on screen. Like, every time I see Patrick Stewart, I'm like, I'm mad that we're not friends. Yeah, I'm saying. Right? Uh, we would, I would be very good best friends with Patrick Stewart. Yes. Um, And, yeah, I think... I think that's it for this for episode. Okay, one, yeah. yeah, so let's move so. on to A Fistful of Data. I loved this episode. Good. Okay, so this, so so the first one, um, Measure of a Man, I picked for morality. Sins of the Father, I picked for the, you know, Klingon kind of outcast type story. This one I picked because a lot of Next Gen is just fun. It's silly and it's fun, and this episode is one of the silliest and funnest. I love this episode. So this is um, A Fistful of Data's episode, season six, episode eight. Um, and the um, and the teleplays by Robert Hewitt Wolf and Brandon Braga and the stories by Robert Hewitt Wolf who who vote I tweeted about um, about you know what we were going to be doing with this fandom trade and like for episode suggestions for next gen and Robert Hewitt Wolf said he thought Fistful of Data's would be a good this choice. It was a good one. And it was, and it was. Felt like Brett Brett Spiner, Brett Spiner, Brent Spiner, Brett Spiner, Brent. Brent Spiner was so fun in this episode. And Worf was so fun in this episode. And Worf's I, weird, not mm, Worf's kid. 
Alexander. Alexander. Who, like, not harping, but clearly played by a young white boy. Yeah, oh yeah, he totally. Um, um super weird. But I loved, <laughs> I loved this episode. I love, I love like, the, like, intro. I love, like, Picard just trying to play his instrument. And everybody interrupting him and him getting so angry. And then I love, like, how dejected Worf is when Picard won't give him more work. And he just, like, walks in and he's so bummed. And Alexander's like, does that mean we can go to the holodeck? And Worf's like, I guess. Fine. I'll wear the hat. Um, I, I mean, I always loved Star Trek stories. I very distinctly remember I loved Star Trek stories where they put the characters in settings that I knew. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I loved it because I loved watching how out of sorts they got and how they had to learn how to interact. Um, I liked that this episode was, like, basically Westworld. Yeah, it really was. (laughs) Uh, That was really great. And, you know, I just, I love Diana Troy. Yeah, I'm really glad. This episode which I didn't remember, featured pretty much every single main cast member in some sort of prominent role. Like, Jordy yeah. was trying to fix data. Troy was on the holodeck. Um, I don't think, I don't know, I don't remember. You know, Beverly was in that first scene, at least. Yeah, but, they tried to do the play, which is great, because you get a reading of data's poetry. Data's poetry! And you're Felis like, Caddis. Oh my gosh! Um, and Will's amazing shirt in that in that scene. Yep. Um, but no, I liked this one because it really felt like an ensemble. Like sometimes, sometimes next gen can just be very like Dato Picard, Data Picard, yeah, Data Picard, Worf. You know, like and so I love that this you like you got the whole cast together in some of the scenes, and it was just really fun. Like everybody was having fun, and. I cannot, like, Brent Spider-Man, every character, he played, like, four characters in this mm-hmm. episode, and he was great in every single iteration yes. that he was playing. Um, that was just a joy, like, just, it was just fun. I, like, laughed out loud at yeah. parts, you know? Um, I loved Worf's having to deal with Western politics. Yes. The ancient West, not the old West. Yeah, I know. And then Alexander getting mad at Worf because it can't be that easy. No, we have to start over. That was really cute. Um, It was just a fun episode. I really, like, it didn't need to have any sort of, like, real depth. Yeah. Which was nice. Um, I just thought it was really fun. Yeah, I really, I just, this episode for me, like, encapsulates, there's so many good, silly next-gen episodes, a lot of the Q episodes, Deja Q is one of my favorite silly episodes, um, Rascals is another, but I feel like this is the one where you can just kind of come in and not know a lot of the backstory and just, like, watch it. Oh, it yeah, is... you could just watch this, and, like, I didn't care that I was like, I don't know who Alexander's mom is, or yeah. any of that, like, it didn't matter. I was yeah. just like, whatever, I'm in it. I'll Alexander it. is introduced in the episode Reunion, that follow-up to Sins of the Father. Oh. So you learn who you learn about his mom, and um, he is introduced in that episode. So oh. if, if you are interested, Reunion's a good up. up. It's it's a it's a good one. But uh, 
We'll see. And the, 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 <laughs> his mom, um, Kay, her name's Kaylar, and she is genuinely one of my favorite next gen characters. Oh, period. all right. Um, and so, um, and she actually, now that I think about it, is um, a Klingon that does not have brown face. <laughs> oh well that's nice yes she is she is she is a white woman and played by a white woman and um yes and they they understand the skin tone thing there well that's good it was uh, very distracting was yeah no and like i i like you mentioned it and i was like well like i don't know but and then i was thinking about it, i was like oh yeah you're right because like there's a lot of klingons in um the show in the next gen that are Gowron comes to mind, um, who's also introduced in Reunion, mm. but uh, is just is very it's white people with definitely some brown face going right. on. A little it's bit a, uncomfortable. It's weird. It was like really weird from the perspective of someone who had not like watched this to that extent. Right. And like, it's also, it's, you know, it, we're not trying to be like, of course, this wasn't, this is, these episodes are from like the, late 80s and right. early 90s like we understand that you know there's a but yeah i'm not saying it was like i, I just as a person it was just, just something that jarring I to see yeah it was jarring yeah i noticed it very quickly and i was like that is pretty distracting yeah that's fair <laughs> so your next gen experience how would you rate it it was good i mean it's it was a lot of what i remembered in terms of the feeling that i got while i was watching um when I was looking back at my Netflix, I did watch a lot of when I I started watching like a, like a few years ago or whenever they put it on Netflix, I was like, mm-hmm. maybe I'll watch this. And I watched like eight or nine episodes, maybe. And I yeah. just really I I enjoy the cast a lot. Yeah. You know? I think with Next Gen, A, the first season is kind of terrible. And so you just kind of have to like, it's hard <laughs> to watch. Like, I still, to this day, I love the show. It's probably one of, it's definitely one of my favorite TV shows um, of all time. But I have trouble with the first season. And <laughs> it's um, it's also just being so episode-driven and no, with very little serialized storytelling. The serialization is what I like, which is part of why Deep Space Nine is my favorite mm-hmm. um, of the Star Treks. And so it is just very, you know, episode of the week in a lot of cases. And so that sometimes I, even as a kid, I remember being frustrated by like, why don't they ever bring this character back? They were so good. And like it, if you have read the um, oral history of Star Trek, um, which is a two part (laughs) book that came out, I think last year, it's really good. It's by... Mark Altman and somebody that I can't remember. Edward Gross. Mark Altman and Edward Gross. And it's like a 50-year oral history of this show in like two volumes. Um, they specifically weren't allowed to do serialized, serialized stories. Like they weren't allowed to, because they didn't want to alienate viewers. So um, they were t- told from on high, like you are, or like, you know, they didn't want to alienate casual viewers. So they were told they couldn't, you know, refer back too much to things that had happened. They couldn't pursue intercrew romances which is why like you never you don't see uh picard and uh, beverly get together or you don't see really see deanna and uh will get together until you know the movies mm-hmm. um so it's it's definitely i mean if you're a fan i definitely recommend them i absolutely love them i feel like they taught me a lot and answered a lot of my questions about the show growing up but anyway so our next fandom trade will be next month and preeti what are you making me watch yes so, Subna admitted to me that she's never watched anime, Mm-mm. ever. 
I think I've watched one episode of Attack on Titan, and I liked it. Oh my god. This is a lot of pressure. And I really went back and forth with a few friends and, like, really thought about what I wanted you to watch because it needed to be a good introduction to anime without you needing to have seen anime to understand pieces of it and but without being like overwhelmingly camp or anything like that yeah I don't I will admit I do have trouble with camp yes so I picked a fairly serious anime but it's one of my absolute favorite manga and slash anime um full metal alchemist yes it's so good so i'm going to be watching and um we'll talk about that a little more probably as the, we'll tweet about it not yes talk we about will it be tweeting podcast. about it because but already... it will be in june for june's episode for so june's sometime episode. Mid, early to mid-june so you have the first not it's gonna be episodes one through four and then episodes six and seven Okay, so if anybody wants to catch up with us, that's... That's what we'll be watching, and I'm so excited for you to watch it. So, yeah, so I'm going to actually wait until... I'll probably won't watch it until, like, the few days beforehand, just so it's fresh in my memory. Ooh, Um, it's so good. So, yeah, that's what we'll be doing, and um, then probably, if we have room... Um, the month after that, then it's going to be a Deep Space Nine trade. Now, we'll probably probably ask for input on Twitter... Because it's such a serialized story, it's really hard. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do it. So, well, and I don't really want to have you just watch, like, the pilot episode because I don't feel like that's the strongest episode. So, <laughs> we'll see. Um, but, moving on All to... Right. Guardians of the Galaxy. Woo! Um, so, we both saw that separately, but we both saw it this past weekend. Yes. What did you think? Um, I thought that it was exactly what I wanted from this movie, which was exactly what I got from the first movie. Yeah. Like, it was a fun team dynamic space opera. Yeah. I didn't think it was any better or any worse than the first one, but Same. I really genuinely enjoyed my experience watching it. Yeah. Like, I had I had some issues here and there. Yes. But it wasn't a, like, perfect movie in terms of, like, rep or, like, any, you know, how they treat women. Like, there's definitely some quibbles there but it is exactly what I wanted and exactly what I needed and I laughed out loud so many times yes um I will say I did really like in some ways I did like this one better than the first one only and I only say that because um of the emotional undertones this was a it was an emotional movie at a real like like you know there's a lot of emotion oh okay by the way um if we we may get into some spoilers, so we'll put the time code of when we end this discussion. Um, yeah, so into you the can show skip notes. it. So you can skip it because we haven't ruined anything yet. But now, be warned, spoilers ahead. But so um, the the whole thing with his dad and like Yondu and there was a oh, lot of them, I cried. I, I, I mean, cried. Yeah, like I didn't expect the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. To well, like make me that emotional. But I cried I, in the first one when Groot does his little oh, cage yeah. and saves them. All. I mean, I cry at everything. Like, yeah. I, everything makes me cry. But, but I, I didn't. I, I thought I this was a just emotional in a different way. Like this one still had the, fa- but it was. 
like it was more emotional to me. Like it, there was more of an emotional core here mm-hmm. um, than in the first one. But I love I love the first movie, and I will say this was an interesting experience for me because Guardians of the Galaxy was the last one. The first one was the last movie I saw when I wasn't was the last like comic book movie I saw when I wasn't like running a comic site. So like. And then this one I was able to watch just as just a fan fun. and not in the back of my mind being like, okay, I'm going to have to edit pieces about this. Like, I'm going to, like, like so it was, it was a, a really nice, like, kind of bookend to my <laughs> panel slash Book Riot comics journey. That's awesome. Um, I thought this one, I thought the weakest aspect, actually, for me was Peter. Mm-hmm. I found his story. Like, I thought it was, it was fine. But I thought everyone else's story was more, like, just more interesting to watch. I loved Drax. I loved Drax. There are a few jokes that I was like, there are a few like off color. We like, just done yeah. without those. Yeah. Um, but generally, and I do love, um, like, all the pieces I've read about him kind of being a, like, a, like, a, like, kind of for autistic people like oh really? really yeah oh you ever oh gosh yeah i read a lot of stuff like he's become a real like i guess like the character's not autistic he's an alien so again alien standing in for marginalized groups not great but the um just his lack of ability to you know take social cues just kind of being frank about what's on his mind not you know like there's a yeah. lot of thing i've read some really good articles about how autistic people who have autism have really um res- he, the character really resonates with that with them and, yeah and I really like that. I thought Dave Bautista was really I I love him in these movies because I feel Me like too. he just like goes all in like we were talking about earlier, where he's just like this is freaking awesome. I'm in this movie and I'm just gonna have a good time. Yeah, like I really like that. This is also my favorite thing that Bradley Cooper does. Oh my like, god, yes. I think he is so good as Rocket. Like Which I never would have suspected. Never would have suspected, but his voice work is excellent. So good. Like just excellent. And I I did see a contrarian piece about this today, but I really liked how they sort of leaned all in on Baby Groot. Um I feel like it could have gotten really annoying, but they were very self-aware in how they were doing it. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I appreciated that. And he's just so cute. I can't yeah. take it. I love it so much. Like, one of my, like, one of the jokes I love so much is, like, he's so little, and he just gets passed from person to person. I know. I I liked I thought I mean I didn't think it was overdone I thought he was really cute and and I think there was it was more than just he was cute like there was really good comedy in yeah. the scenes um like you know like smaller dumber baby Groot oh my god <laughs> I laughed. I'm still laughing I laughed about really that. hard at that yeah um but also just the gentleness with which they treat it you know like it's right. really sweet to see like you know just. To see- the whole sequence of them needing him to get the fin yes. from the drawer yes. was so funny. I like it didn't matter. Like I knew it was never gonna work. Yeah. And I knew every time he did it, he was gonna do it wrong, but it made me laugh every time. The toe. I Oh my god. I, I laughed was... so hard. 
like my stomach hurt. It was so good. Like, and that's, that's what I honestly, and that is the one thing I wanted out of this movie. Like, things have been so terrible. Yeah. Everything is garbage. I just wanted to go and forget about it for a couple of yes. hours and enjoy myself. And, and this movie gave that. me that. I will say, I thought, I mix up, um, I know they are drastically different people, but I mix up Josh Brolin, Jeff Bridges, and Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. A lot. This was a bit confusing for you. This was very confusing for me. <laughs> Because they all, like, sort of have similar faces and yeah. features. And yeah. Jeff Bridges was an Iron Man. And Josh Brolin is Thanos. But yeah. Kurt Russell was not Jason. Yeah, I, that so, confused weird, me. Not, you know, it was, he was... So if a, you're not familiar with the comics, they changed Peter's, Peter's backstory. Yeah. Um, which is... It was... Fine. Fine. Yeah. It was weird. Like, the whole... I just... I didn't... I didn't not, like, I didn't hate it. I just didn't, I, I was like, whatever. Like, I don't. That story was, it was, a, care. it was a vehicle for me to get more of what I wanted. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? like, whatever. Like, I liked um, Gamora and Nebula's story was yes. probably one of my favorites. Like, just the sisterhood and being yeah. there for one another and their reconciliation yeah, I loved their story. I liked that a lot. Um, and it's like, it's not just about um, Nebula being an asshole. It's, you know. Right. It's like they're, they both screwed up. There's a and, complexity and there's, yeah. a, there's a history that they both have to deal with. And it felt very real. And the two of them, uh, Zoe Saldana and Karen Gillian Gillen. Gillen. I get, I always, Kieran Gillen and Kieran Karen Gillen. Gillen. Karen. I know. I always, like, Whatever. mispronounce, like, I always mispronounce them. Deliberate. Yes. Um, she was really, really good. They're both really good, and they both have a great chemistry with each other mm -hmm. that felt very authentic to me. Yeah, and I um, love the Yondu rocket thing. Yeah. Where he was like, you're like me, like, you yeah. And that was that was I, good. I like, was like I was like I did not expect to feel so deeply for Yondu. Me same. Me too. But that I was liked great. Him. I I liked I liked the a lot of the character choices they made in this movie. It didn't feel like one of my complaints about sequels is it feels a lot of times it just feels like they're fighting the same battles all over again. Yeah. And this one, like you know, they did have character growth in the first movie and they they are different they're different people now mm -hmm. and they have new problems that are still like connected to the problems they've always had because they're people and that's how it works but i liked that like you could see character growth from movie one to movie two and also over the course of this movie i was surprised by how isolated this movie was in terms of the Mar the marvel cinematic universe. i was too like right? no like, thanos i understood that the first one was going to be what the first one was, which is launching these characters. They needed to have their own story. But after that, like, I was very surprised to not see literally yeah. any overlap. I thought maybe there would be, like, a Captain Marvel cameo. In the I thought there would be when they were on Earth showing the, like, parts of Ego or whatever that were taking over the planet. I thought, I like someone would show up right i was surprised that we didn't see 
any of the heroes or any reaction or anything, right? Yeah. That was very bizarre to me. Um, and the even the post credit sequence, which I didn't know Sylvester Stallone was in this movie. Me neither. He showed up and I was like, wait, what? Well, I saw his name in the credits when the movie started and I was like, what? Like, who are you even playing? And they're not doing some team movie with Sylvester Stallone, right? Or is that going to be like a Guardians of the Galaxy 3 thing? I mean, yeah, no, that given the end post credit scene, that could be a Guardians of the Galaxy but 3 thing. But that's so weird because that is, when was the last time that a post credit sequence wasn't used to set up the larger MCU? That's, that's my thing. Like, I expected Thanos to show up in the, because, you know, we all know that he's the main bad right. guy in there Infinity was, like, War. No, there was one reference to the Infinity Stones and like, that was it. Yeah, and we know that the Guardians of the Galaxy are in Avengers Infinity War. Right. But it was it was strange, and I wonder if it means that Marvel is pulling back a little bit in terms of the expanse of their worlds so that they can have these... More standalone stories. Yeah, like these like um, universes that are pockets. Yeah, and, and I, th- I don't think that's a bad idea. I don't think it's a bad idea. I think they're getting too big to like... They're getting, like, too unwieldy to handle everything. Yeah, and, like, you don't need to tell an origin story every time. Yep. And, you know, it's it's not required. And, yeah, it was it was a great movie, though. It was good. It was fun. It was, you know, there were parts that were a little slow in the middle. And there were some, like, just cringeworthy jokes. There were very cringeworthy jokes about yeah. Mantis in particular. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't watch the film and see it this way but i did read um a reaction from um an east asian woman who watched it and made a very compelling argument as to mantis being a really negative stereotype about east asian women i I didn't see it that way either but i could a hundred percent yes understand like somebody could compliant and kind of like a doormat and she has the master which is very uncomfortable and drax constantly sort of belittles her it was on reflection i was like oh that's not good yeah and even like her features you could argue yes yes because i was like is the actress asian i don't know i actually I don't know. Still don't know, but I'm on the... Oh, she is. Um, okay, so that that would explain the semi-Asian features. Tom Clementieff. I mean, I think she did a great job, but She's very I... very good. It just... And I think, like, I read some of the... Like, I did read some stuff about how, like, Drax's, like, behavior towards Mantis was abusive. And again, I didn't see it that way because I thought it was patently ridiculous that anyone would say that she wasn't attractive because she's beautiful. Like, but, like, I can see it that way. It was just weird. Like, it was... I actually appreciate it. Like, at first I appreciated this idea that he was like, oh, I don't want to be with you. And I was like, oh, good. Don't make this romantic. But then they kept... They kept pushing it. Calling and they her kept... repulsive. And it was just and like, okay, it wasn't balanced. And yeah. I didn't like that. Like, I thought... I did like that Nebula was like, or sorry, uh, Gamora was like, no, she's not. Like, like you're ridiculous. Yeah. But it's not even that. I thought that that would lead to a balanced relationship where when he was like, I don't want to sleep with, like, I don't want to be with you, regardless of his tone of like, oh, that's repulsive. If that had been the one moment that that one thing was said and then it was like, 
never repeated and they had the potential to create like a partnership a platonic partnership yeah but they didn't make it that way they constantly made him belittle her and it was just it was even when I was watching the movie I was like this is uncomfortable it's uncomfortable yeah yeah I didn't like that at all um but that was my biggest issue with it yeah, the Drax jokes, I do like the character a lot. Yeah. And I like that he doesn't have a filter. I yes. like that about him. But I think it's not the way the character's written. It's the jokes that they put in his mouth. Yes, I agree. That it's the same. It's I mean, it's the same thing about um, like him calling Gamora a whore in the first movie. Right, it's which just was like, unnecessary. It's just not like you don't need like... yeah it's unnecessary and it's just it's it's demeaning towards women and i there was there were there was less of that in this one actually there was more of it in terms of volume it It was just less it wasn't as aggressive i guess right exactly that's what i'm trying to say like it wasn't it like the 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 whore line i was just like whoa like yeah that when that I even, happened, I, it took me out of the film. It did. And this, it was just more like I was uncomfortable. This was a, was a little more insidious because it was yeah. so layered into it. Yeah. That, and you weren't sure whether, like, is it, I don't know. It was weird. I'm not, yeah. Other the more I talk being? about it, the, like, more upset I get about it. But I kind of just want to focus on how much I liked Rocket and Groot. Yes. Because they were just so fun to watch. Yes. And, like, I, one of my favorite moments is when Peter calls Rocket a trash panda. Mm. I, like, is that is that worse? Is What is Is that worse? <laughs> it's so much worse. Like, oh, my God. That, like, there were, that whole scene, I was, like, I was, like, laughing out loud. It was so like, good. I mean, I remember in the first film, one of the things that made me, like, tear up a little was when Rocket has his moment of, like, I'm not, I'm just a, a thing, you know? Yeah. And it's it's when they're on that planet, on the, like, Thieves planet. Or something. I don't know. I haven't watched the movie in, like, a year. Um, and on Nowhere. I can't remember. And someone says something to him about being, like, a pet or, like, a an animal. And he gets, tracks. like, really upset about it. Yeah. And, like, that was, like, a moment I was, like, kind of he called me Vermin. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Because he's so... I just so watched s- it, like, a month ago because He's so, like, smart and... Yeah. He's an asshole. Like, clearly a selfish asshole. But a self-aware one. Yeah. And you get that even more in this movie. Yeah. He was great. It was. I, I, I really, I really It was a really fun experience. It. it was a really did, fun yeah. experience. All right. Um, okay, I'm writing down our time code for our, um... End of the Guardians of the Galaxy yes. volume 2 discussion. Um, um, okay, so you guys have probably seen on Twitter that we've been talking about how we're... Okay, I have to, there's a whole story here, so I, I tricked Preeti a little bit. Um, so I think it, we, it just came up in conversation a few months ago that we should do a 
you know, a Star Wars I think rewatch. It might have been like during celebration. Um, I, I think can it was see before. how I would get. No, it was before that. Was it? Oh, I was like, maybe. Well, no, I tricked just... you during celebration. That's what it was. But the whole idea had come up before that. So okay, so we were like, we should rewatch the Star Wars movies in advance of the Last Jedi and discuss them on the podcast. And um, um, Preeti was like, oh. Okay, but just the original trilogy. Rogue One, because I don't watch the prequels. And I was like, oh, well, come on. I was like, it's, I, uh, I'm going to be clear, like, the prequels are not my favorite movies by any stretch of the imagination. I do not love them. But for me, also, they're still part of Star Wars, even if they're kind of terrible. Like, it's still part of Star Wars. And so I, you know, I watched, I, I haven't watched them recently, but like, I do have some sort of fondness for them, even if, you know, I don't like them as much as the other movies. Um, so I was like, oh, come on, let's watch the prequels, too. And Preeti was like, okay, maybe Revenge of the Sith. Like, maybe, maybe. if I'm in a good mood. Maybe. <laughs> because Preeti hasn't watched any of them since they were in theater, right? Right. Um, so, well, she's watched The Phantom Menace now, but we'll get to that. Yes. Um. Then during Star Wars Celebration, I believe it was while we were in line um, waiting and we had gotten up at like 3.30 in the morning that morning. We were waiting for the 40th anniversary panel. So tired. <laughs> we're both so tired and just like so like. And so I was like, you know, it really would be fun because like you haven't seen them in so long. It really would be fun if we did a whole series we rewatch. And I think Preeti was half sleep deprived and half in a like, oh, Star Wars is the best mood. And she agreed. So And then I promptly forgot. Yes. And then so when we were talking about, I was like, oh, we should probably start our uh, Star Wars rewatch soon. And she's like, okay, so we're going to start with Rogue One or Episode 4. I was like, uh-uh. Nope. <laughs> you agreed to watch the Phantom Menace. Start with the Phantom Menace. And she was like, oh, God. I think my exact words were, fuck. Yes. I think, I, 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 I think so. So... We decided to go ahead and, because you can, as you can see, we're already over an hour. Like, there's a lot to talk about in our, like, regular episodes. So we decided, we've decided to do the Phantom, or the, all the Star Wars um, movie discussions as separate episodes. So we're going to do those, like, kind of on, in two-week intervals in between, like, the main episodes. Mm -hmm. And they'll be, like, 20, 30 minutes, probably. Yeah, I don't think they're, we're going to go for as long as, well, who knows? There's a lot to rag on in The Phantom Menace. Oh, but, God. but... We are also, you know, like you, if you listen to us regularly or you know us on Twitter, you know us. We try to find joy in everything we it's do. It's true. So we're not going to sit there and like rat. Like, it's so not going to be 30 minutes of me being like, I can't believe I watched this movie. Right. Like, we, we will try to find the good things and we'll try, try to talk about the good things because um, that's that's who we are listen, and that's what we do. Listen, Julian McGregor is in all three movies. I know. That is enough. a huge positive. Um, and, and I think there are, as I've said before, threads of good movies like good plot in all of them and natalie portman's pretty good um in the first two they don't give her much to do in the third movie um, um and then we're gonna have our first guest yeah for the phantom menace discussion so devendra haradvar oh my god um what is um he is a senior editor at engadget and he is going to be joining us because he randomly just watched The Phantom Menace and, yes, and was wants like, to hey. talk about how unhappy and, he was. Right. So we're, we've been talking about getting more guests on our show and we've both mutually decided they should, you know, we want to 
limit it to people of color because we are people of color and we that is this is our space yeah this is what we do so that's what and so that's so he's gonna be our first guest we also have hopefully a guest lined up for the rogue one discussion that would be keith chow of nerds of color yep um he is in for right now but i mean it's going to be a while yet because we're going to do one of these a month leading up to the um the movie's release so yeah anyway look forward to that in yes, probably about two weeks. Two, two weeks yeah yeah two weeks um and now as always we're going to end with just things we're watching and reading and whatever um enjoying um so i am reading uh i'm about halfway through uh a book by it's a it's an adult book which is a very rare thing for me um by rakesh satyal and it's called no one can pronounce my name I have not read this yet, but oh my god. It's really good. It's one of those books. It's it's one of those books that you connect with so immediately as you know, it's I get I'm getting the feeling reading this book that I got when I read The Namesake from Jump Harry, which mm. Akash is gonna be like, oh my god. Um, which is something that speaks so deeply to who you are and immediately you recognize the people in this book and mm-hmm. what they're going through and pieces of their lives and personalities. And it's basically a story about Indian people in America, mm-hmm. you know, and the realities that they face culturally and the boundaries that they set for themselves or that their culture or society sets for them. Um, it's really good. It's written really, really well, and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, and I, it's out in the world. You can pick it up. Called No One Can Pronounce My Name. Um, and then I am watching because I wanted something that has literally nothing to do with the world as it exists right now. Uh, Sons of Anarchy. Whew. Yeah, I've heard that's a heavy show. It is a heavy show, um, but Charlie Hunnam is in it, and yes. he doesn't have a shirt on a lot, yeah. and it is, like, actually well-written, too. I mean, it's dark and, at times, overwhelmingly sexist, um, and it, it deals with, like, racial politics in a way that is a little passe, because it was, I think it started in 2008, and we actually have come a pretty far way in terms of yeah, how we talk we about race on television and representation in our media. Um, but Katie Segal is on it, and she's freaking awesome. Um, and Ron Perlman is in it, and yeah. he's amazing. And, you know, he is, you know, I'm about three seasons deep. I've literally watched three seasons in like 10 days. <laughs> So good. You're, you're, um, I'm envious of your like TV watching powers. I, I just, I cannot, some things cannot hold my attention for that amount of ooh, time. I can, I can binge like no one else. I am very good at watching TV. Um, but that one's also on Netflix. Like it gets, it goes back and forth between like really, really strong drama and like anxiety inducing, like suspenseful and kind of like off the wall bananas. So recommend that if you need something that is 
fast paced and like Sopranos ish in terms of like, you know, do it for family and blah, blah, blah. Um, but with Charlie Hunnam. Did, is the show over now? Yes. It's done, right? Yes. Okay. That's why I was like, I could watch this. There's no yeah. more new episodes and I can like watch it on my own time and fast forward through the boring stuff. Um, so I am reading a book called Inferior by Angela Saini, and she is a British, South Asian British journalist. And she, this book is about, um, basically the idea that women, like that, how science has tried to, for a long time, um, you know, people refer to science to discuss why men and women were different. And women were better at domestic duties because, you know, they stayed home as like, you know, cave people. The women stayed home, like stayed in the cave while the men went out and hunted. Or like, you know, like women are more natural, women are more scientifically empathetic or mm. emotional. Okay. And it's basically like, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. And it basically talks about, um, I'm still reading it, and I'm pretty, like, I'm not very, that far into it, but it's super interesting. Um, and it's just basically um, talking about how these myths and stereotypes, and it's all been perpetuated for so long, and with quote-unquote scientific, like, backup or on the basis of science, quote-unquote, and it's not. And how have, like, women been affected by this? how um what damage has it done what it's so good Interesting. it's yeah and it's it doesn't come out till the end of the month i'm actually doing a review for bitch media later this month of it which is um but it's 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 super interesting and it's really well written really interesting and just you know i i very very discussion worthy i think like if like you um like provocative titles for like your book clubs and stuff like that this is a great one like it's it's not very long i don't even i think it's like in the 300 page range but yeah. it's yeah it's really readable really interesting like um i i really i really like it so and then what's the other oh thing? god it's so nerdy so every time i talk about it preeti's like i forgot you liked that literally every time i was i Every time I'm like, oh, right. This is um, like a weird thing you're into. So Not weird, I'm, but like, unexpected. no, it's weird. It's weird. It's honestly, un like, it's unexpected. So I am really like ridiculously into professional men's cycling. So like, <laughs> I know, I know. Like really, like it's, I, I it's can't. Just like, I wonder what people thought you were going to say. I know. Because I, I could not imagine anyone except maybe I was chatting with um, my friend Jordan who listens uh, about it the other night, like he would know, but I don't know how anyone would guess that you were yeah. going to say professional men's cycling. Yeah. Cause I'm not, I don't watch sports, but like I am not a sports fan except for this. Like <laughs> I, and I'm like, it's not just like, I like it and I'll casually, like I am obsessed. So right now the Giro, the, the Giro d'Italia is going on. And so in cycling, there's a ton of races, but there's three grand tours, the Giro d'Italia, which is the tour of Italy, the Tour de France, and the Vuelta a España, which is the tour of Spain. So, yeah, so it, the, there are three week long races, about um, 200 kilometers a day that these guys ride. And it's just, 
I mean, it's so intense and it's a, it's a, it's an, inc- I love it. I'm like obsessed with it. And so that's why like, I'm watching like five hours of cycling a day right now. And then like the Tour de Suisse is going to start tomorrow. So I'm going to be watching the Giro d'Italia and the Tour de Suisse, which is probably like going to be like eight hours of cycling. And like the nice thing about cycling is like you can watch it in the best. So I'll watch it like while I'm working or like while I'm reading. So it's not like you're just, it's not a very fat. Stuff happens quickly, but it's not a quick sport, if that makes sense. Like, think, like, people can crash and, like, unexpected things can happen, but it's not, like, a sport that you need to watch every second, like, pay close attention to every second, to of every second, too. Um, I, I don't even, it. I just, like, butchered that sentence three times and I'm not going to try to pronounce it nope. or, or not try to say it again. But, yes, so I love it. It's my favorite thing and it's back. And, I mean, it's been back for a couple months now. But now it's the Grand Tour. And the Grand Tours are extra special because these guys, like, just, like, how destroy do, themselves. How do people watch this if they want to watch it? Well, Is it so, on TV? No. So <laughs> you can watch the – yeah, no. The Tour de France will be. The Tour right, de France. the Tour de France is the only one I've heard of. When you were like, there are three major races, and I was like, really? Oh, there's like hun- there's like hundreds of major races, but these are the Grand Tours are the only ones that are three weeks long. Like they they vary in length from like day long races to like a week or like ten days or you know. But um, the Grand Tours are the ones that are like three weeks long, like. 200 kilometers a day of cycling which is insane because they're like in the mountains and stuff yeah it's not just like flat i mean some of the stages are flat no, i remember but... when everybody was like super into the tour de france yeah which i wasn't into it back then like i did not watch during the lance years and i got into you know like i i i kind of i was into it for a little while like in the years after we retired and then lost interest with the doping stuff because it's right. so depressing it's just so depressing as a fan of the sport because it's so dejecting but um and then kind of in the last like four years or so my interest has like come back with a vengeance again and so um you cannot watch it um like a lot of the tours aren't even broadcast in the states um you have to watch um basically you can download stages or like stream from some european um providers but also nbc sports gold provides like a subscription which i have it's like 30 dollars a year and it'll get you like most of the major races like just streaming which is fine like yeah it's it's a good deal because nobody nobody likes cycling so like even (laughs) like they 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 can get some people to pay 30 dollars a year is probably they're like ooh, we're doing pretty well here like it's like nobody i don't know like i know like two people on twitter that watch it like literally it's like brenna (laughs) and like her husband like like Devin, they are like my cycling people. Like I'll always text them and be like, "Did you see? Did you see Peter Sagan cut his hair? Because he's this like he's arguably the best. He is the best cyclist, like just all around cyclist. But he has this like hair that just keeps getting longer and longer, and he will not cut it, and it's been driving me crazy. And he finally cut it. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's like super. I can't even like people are like I don't understand. I'm like I don't either, but I love it. So, if you're into the, it, you're into it, and you yeah, love it, and, this and that's is, what matters. As this Paul is my says, love what you love. Yes, and I do, I do. Um, okay, so but I uh, this episode's like so long. So. I know. Okay, we're gonna wrap it up. Um, yeah. First of all, so we started our Patreon last month with our Star Wars celebration episode, and. Thank you so much to everyone who has given us money. Like, we really were not expecting 
I know. Basically, we just wanted to do it to cover our like hosting costs. Um, but you guys have all been amazing, and any little so, bit has been really, really. It's always really fun. We're like, oh my god, someone gave us money. What? I know. And so now we're using it to cover like shipping costs for giveaways. Yeah. Um, we're going to do more giveaways from our Twitter account. We'll do one to promote this episode. So definitely follow us at Daisy Geek Girls. Um, but we have some shout outs for yes. our $5 and $10 a month um, subscribers. So Jerome Camo. Como? Yes. And um, he, Jerome has, um, so at the $10 level, you can tell us something to watch. Yes. So Jerome is, oh. we're going to watch something for Jerome next month, and he picked Jupiter Ascending. He Jupiter Ascending. I'm so excited. I'm so excited about this. Space, um, so space thing. princesses. I know. Space werewolves. Space rollerblading. And, and space, space bees. Voldemort. And space bees. Space bees. And space capitalism. Yeah. And space vest without a shirt. Yes. Underneath? Oh, yes. Space There's fashion. so many good things. Okay. But, so, we're really excited. So, you can also keep an um, ear out for Jupiter Ascending. And Otarsis is also a $10 level. And there's only one more because we can't, there's only one more. So, if you want to, if you really want to tell us what to watch every couple, every few months, um, you should, because there's only one more left. Get on only, it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, we'll literally watch anything that is under three hours. Yep. Um, and then Claire and Brian, um, at our $5 level, thank you so much. Like, we are, like, we are seriously humbled at, and so grateful. It's so nice of all of you. You, Everyone has been so kind. You guys have been awesome. And special shout out to Brian, who had, um, Sapna and I on, uh, with him and Nancy on their podcast, their Star Wars podcast, the Tashi Station. So if you, if, if you were dissatisfied with our weird like just like exhausted rambling i know about the last jedi teaser because i don't feel like our discussion was very good we actually went on their podcast and discussed it again so download that episode of tashi station radio it was better um we also were on the hard knock life yeah the nerds of color um podcast with keith chow Um, yeah and talk just talked about kind of star wars and representation and had a really good discussion there so if you want to go See if, if this hour and a half long episode wasn't wasn't enough. For enough. You. Um, um, <laughs> and if you back at the five dollar and ten dollar level on Patreon, you can um, vote on things we talk about, and we just posted our topics. So if you decide to um, to contribute, then you will get in on that as well. But if you do not decide decide to contribute, that is totally fine. You can continue to you just anyway. listen to the show, which we, we really love. appreciate, and we yeah. Um, love engaging with you guys. So also please follow us on Twitter. You can follow us at Daisy Geek Girls, like we said earlier. Um, you can follow me at Run with Skizzers. I'm at S Krishna. Um, send us an email, DaisyGeekGirls at gmail.com. Yeah, uh, we love, like, people will tweet us. And we both check the Twitter account. Yeah. So if you tweet Daisy, Daisy Geek Girls, we will both see it. Um, but also you can just tag each of us individually. We love hearing from you all. And so it's been so nice. It's been the best, honestly, the best part of doing this is like hearing from everyone. Um, but you can also rate us on iTunes. Five star reviews. Yeah. Um, Um, rate us, review it. If you leave us a review, it like really helps people find the show. I guess I don't really understand. I don't understand how that, um, our Patreon is patreon.com slash Daisy geek girls. Uh, I think that I think we got everything. Um, All right. So we'll see you in like two weeks for two weeks. Phantom the Menace. Phantom Menace. We'll um, find things. We have two weeks to find positive things to say. I hope you enjoy the experience of watching it as much as I did. 
<laughs> she, her, like her live tweets were pretty dejected. I will be honest. It's going to be really fun. Um, it all will. right. We'll see you guys in a few weeks. All right. <laughs>